Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. My friend Seth, are you out there? I'm here, and uh, this is a very special edition of Volley. This is uh, number 10. It is. Number 10. We're in double digits. Yeah, our, our little podcast is growing up. So, uh, um, so we're going to try to stick to a pretty decent rhythm here. I know it took us a little while to kind of find a good routine, but... I think this Friday thing works for us, so I think we're going to try to be recording on Friday mornings, getting that out there by Friday afternoon. People can listen to it, catch it over the weekend or at the beginning of next week, and uh, if you are listening on iTunes or, or whatever app you would use for podcasts, if you could rate us or write a review, it really helps for getting the word out. Uh, and any reviews or feedback would definitely help us know what we should focus on or what we could do a little bit better that you'd like to hear more about. So thanks for listening so far, and uh, hopefully there will be many tens of podcasts yet to come. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited, and, and you know, we really like to hear from our listeners and uh, get your feedback, as Seth just said, because um, then we can help you know tailor. Um, to what you're most interested in hearing and make sure that we're not off on tangents. But it's exciting to be at number 10. I'm looking forward to the next 10. Uh, Me too. So today we've got some exciting stuff going on. Uh, We're going to be talking a little later with uh, Matt Starr, who is the Director of Public uh, Public Advocacy uh, in CompTIA's Public Policy uh, Office, which is in Washington, D.C., and we're going to chat with Matt about some of the uh, tech implications of the the new administration, whichever it will be, after this crazy election ends next Tuesday. Um, so more on that in just a bit. But Seth, I just wanted to catch up with you because we haven't chatted because you were away at an at event this week. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this IoT event that you went to in Chicago. Yeah, it was a nice event. Um, nice that it's local. Always like just being able to hop over to an event like this pretty quickly. And uh, this is with Penton Publishing, uh, so this was one of their new things. They've never done this uh, event before, and they have a new property, the IoT Institute, that powered this uh, new Emerge event. And so it was kind of an intimate event. They had an, an open show floor with several different stages focusing on different topics like security and integration and the industrial Internet of Things. Uh, And I had a chance to speak there and share some of our research, uh, which we've talked about a little bit before when we had Dave on the podcast. And one of the things that struck me this week, listening to the different presentations, talking to people that were there, was one of the things that Dave brought up that this isn't about the things that you connect. It's about the system that you build once you've got it connected. And I think the more that I hear about use cases, the more examples that I hear of what businesses are doing, it really strikes me what kind of scale we're talking about here. And we're talking about putting hardware together, making lots of different types of hardware work together, definitely using software to stitch all that together and then do analysis on the back end. You've got a lot of data flowing, you've got security concerns. And I think what we've seen up to this point is relatively large companies you know doing these uh, experiments and projects relatively large third parties that are helping them out with with these things and it kind of made me think i wonder if we're almost at like the mainframe stage with something like iot where it's really big it's accessible to certain types of companies right now 
and eventually we're going to figure out how to kind of massage that down and, and figure out new form factors and things that are going to work for smaller businesses because it's been so tough to figure out how an SMB can get into IoT uh, other than a, at a very introductory level. So really interested to see how that plays out over the next year or so. What type of companies or people were at this event? Was it major, you know, larger companies, um, mostly technologists at the end user level? I was just curious. Yeah, it was definitely end user companies. You had a few different types of people there. So you had some software developers that may or may not have been really doing anything with IoT or machine to machine up to this point, but they're kind of thinking that they'd like to head in that direction. You've got people that were working on uh, industrial equipment or machinery that, that they've typically produced without you know, intelligence, and, and now they're wondering exactly what it's going to look like when that stuff starts getting connected uh, and, and what kind of workflows and processes are, are going to start evolving because you've got new capabilities in these things and, and where those capabilities are going to come from. Because there, I know we talked to one person at the CompTIA booth that's in that world and her view of IT is the guys that I take my laptop to when it breaks Um, Mm. and I I think we've talked so much about that notion of IT needing to expand beyond that to be the people that also bring technology into the work that I'm doing Um, and and so it was really interesting to see how a lot of those mindsets that we've talked about for a little while are still taking hold uh, out in many different industries today. Well, this is the discussion we've had numerous times about how IT needs to become more strategic, and that's the ultimate goal within some of these larger companies is to um, kind of segment their IT where they've got the, you know, keeping the lights on, running the network, that, you know, everyday tasks that are involved with the technology within your company or organization, but then also having technologists and engineers and software developers within your group that are working on these bigger picture, whether it's cloud or whether it is IoT, and uh, I do think we're slowly moving in that direction, but you make a very fine point about when does this really trickle down to some sort of revenue reality for an SMB? Yeah, yeah. So I I think we'll have plenty of this to continue wading through over the next several years. Um, We've talked out of research for for quite a while and and within the industry for quite a while about the pace of technology. Um, And and I think we we always think, oh, the pace of technology is really uh, accelerating and things are moving fast. But at the same time, a lot of these things are going to take quite a while to, to really flow through all the different parts of the economy, flow into different industries that haven't been as tech savvy. And so I think we've got uh, plenty ahead of us. So, Seth, uh, interesting stuff on IoT. And I know Internet of Things is going to be um, an issue that all levels of government and our industry are going to be taking a look at going forward. And we just so happen, luckily, um, have a guest from our public policy team on with us today who's joining. And we're going to talk about that thing that's happening next week, you know, that election thing. Small uh, thing. Just small. It seems like it's been forever, but we're finally getting there. Um, So I want to welcome Matt Starr, who's our director of public policy here at CompTIA. We have a, a team in Washington. Maybe, Matt, you could talk a little bit about that. But we really want to hear your thoughts on next week's election and what some of the implications are going to be going forward. So welcome. Hi, thanks, Carolyn. Uh, hi, Seth. How are you doing? Hey, Matt. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. So, uh, Carolyn, 
you know, like you mentioned, we, we do, we have an office in DC. Um, it is a, a growing office. Um, in the three years I've been here, our team has moved from, uh, we had four people in the DC office to now I think we've got 12 here. Um, and, and we're in the process of actually expanding into a second office. So, um, exciting things happening for CompTIA in DC over here. Yeah, it sounds like, like it. But yeah, like you said, we've, you know, the, this, this election thing is, is happening. Uh, folks may be aware. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it seems like the end can't come soon enough. Um, but we, we are um, sitting in waiting mode at this point. The sense in D.C. has been for a while that uh, Hillary Clinton is probably going to win the presidency, but I think that is a little bit more of a toss-up today than it may have been a month ago or so. As far as planning for uh, the future, um, I think that's kind of been our our plan <laughs> because we don't really know how to plan for a Trump presidency, and uh, I think the the a, Cl- a Clinton presidency probably wouldn't look all that different from an Obama presidency, at least from a tech policy perspective. So, you know, in terms of policy issues, though, um, if you had to, you know, come up with, say, the top three initiatives or policy um, uh, issues that the candidates or the new administration, I should say, uh, is going to have to deal with, either in the short term or if you're taking a long view of things, and what do you think's top of mind? Well, I, I think the, the the first one, this is one that's come, we've seen this come up in the debates, and it's it's honestly, it's an interesting one because it's something that actually could happen before the end of this year. But uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP, has been mm. um, you know, top of mind for a lot of folks around here. It's something that we've been very supportive of. It's something the Obama administration has been very supportive of. And it's, it's an issue that has been discussed about possibly getting brought to the, to the, the floor of Congress in the lame duck. Uh, but we're not sure. And, and you know, we've made a big push um, on our end, uh, kind of made a grassroots push, but I think the, the, what the, the, the reality is if, if this doesn't happen before the end of this year, it's not going to happen at all. Um, both candidates have come out strongly against uh, TPP, and it's not really clear um, what that means for the future of trade with uh, Asia um, if, if that should not pass. But So it, th- this is probably the biggest thing, because if if this doesn't pass before the end of the year, it almost certainly uh, is not going to go into effect and we are not going to have a trade agreement. Well, um, from, you know, for our listeners and, uh, you know, purposes, and I've listened, I've watched all three of these debates, and, of course, TPP comes up every time. No one ever does an explainer. Uh, so if you could, at least from how it affects the technology sector and what we're doing from a technology perspective, um, if you could do a little bit of a breakdown of what we're talking about here with TPP. So, admittedly, I'm I'm not an expert on TPP, and this is a vast document uh, that that encompasses a number of industries that uh, go far beyond the tech the tech sector. I think, from my from from our perspective, at least one of the issues that we we've been that we've been focused on in, in terms of why we support TPP is the issue of free flow of data. Um, this has become an issue, really, you know, all over the world, and we're having all sorts of issues with Europe, which actually I was planning to talk about later. But the, the ability for, for data to be, you know, there, there are agreements in TPP for how, how companies have to handle data that is moving between countries. And, and they came up with a, a system that, that does not allow any sort of requirements for um, data to be housed within a specific country. 
and I think this is really what you know. This, this, what this really allows for for data to be transferred pretty freely among the countries that are going to be involved in TPP, and I think that that certainly is one of our our the, one of the biggest reasons that we've championed it. Beyond that, I'm I'm honestly not particularly familiar with a, a lot of the other provisions in it. Um, should defer to my colleague Stephanie Holland, who is the expert on TPP, uh, for for more detail on some of the specifics of it. You know, no, Matt, that's great. Yeah, yeah, and the the part that you're mentioning about you know understanding the data and how data is flowing and kind of understanding what this new digital economy looks like with with the things that you guys are pushing. How big of a deal is that to try to get some of the lawmakers and decision makers to understand? how some of the landscape has changed because at the conference I was at this week, one of the things that came up is this notion of if we're trying to educate consumers, they might be looking for, you know, some kind of a seal of of approval or something. And that's most likely going to come out of like government regulations. And so we need the government to understand this pretty well if they're going to be setting these regulations and driving how companies are governing themselves uh, as they're dealing with technology products and services. So is that kind of a big deal, trying to get that level of understanding and, and digital literacy up with uh, the government people? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I've been very involved on this uh, from the, the European side, which is not what TPP covers, but um, we had to do a lot of groundwork uh, last year there was a there, there was a an agreement between the United States and the European Union called the Safe Harbor that was shot down by the the EU courts that it existed for I believe uh, sixteen years, um, and and then as a result of that, we really had to get out and, and explain you know and, and educate members of Congress about you know what was you know, what this meant for American tech companies who deal in data. Um, and there was a very real concern for a number of months there that companies who operate in Europe would not be able to send to transmit certain data back to the United States without risking penalties from EU, EU, EU countries. And so that's huge in terms of being able to you know, get a level of what, what, what the agreement did is it, it kind of set standards for privacy and security for what companies need to abide by to transmit data. And, that's very that's included in the TPP as well. I think it sets it sets standards and you know it's something that a number of countries have agreed on are kind of a, a best practices standard. And I think this is this is this is really important. Um, you know, kind of as as the digital economy grows, you know, different countries kind of have different ideas of you know what this should look like. And trying to get some sort of standard on the books is is huge. That could be a model for you know future such agreements. It's interesting. I wanted to switch a little bit to the topic of cybersecurity, since that's um, obviously something that we read headlines about all the time. It's something I know that Hillary has taken a position on. Um, I don't know what Donald Trump's is, but uh, are we are we moving in any of those areas here at CompTIA with some of the policy things that you're working on? And what do you think, from a cybersecurity perspective? the next administration is going to have to grapple with right away. I mean, this is more of a almost a, a defense department type of thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're talking about specifically cybersecurity and, and defensive critical infrastructure, I would say definitely. Um, I think from, from our perspective, uh, we're kind of, at least I've been looking at this lately, and this was obviously uh, enhanced by the, the Dyne hack a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you mm-hmm. mentioned that earlier. But this, this issue is... is 
certainly not going away. We've been working on putting together kind of a policy objective as far as Internet of Things goes, and, and obviously security was a big piece of that. Uh, I think this is obviously going to be now the first thing that Congress is going to look at next year. There have already been a number of letters sent from members of Congress to the White House, to various agencies, asking them to to look into this. Because the reality is there there are you know millions and millions of IoT devices out in the marketplace right now, and some of them are not secure. And so, what do we do about this? First of all, on the devices that are already out there, but also how to how do we get secure products out there in the marketplace going forward, and how do we get consumers to to pay attention to this when they're making their their cho- their choices on what to buy? Um, because the, the the Internet of Things is is critical to cybersecurity. Is is it's connecting millions and and ultimately they're projecting billions of devices to be connected to the internet in you know the next you know ten years or so. Actually, I think I mean it might be might be next five years if I remember the projections correctly. And if you have you know millions and billions of unsecured new devices connected to the internet, that creates a major cybersecurity problem. Okay, it's a problem not just for individual companies, but potentially national infrastructure as well. Yeah, and this is where it's so interesting because we've talked a lot uh, inside CompTIA about the fact that a lot of these people producing these devices have not produced devices that have intelligence or connectivity before. And so the, the vendors don't know the best practices around cybersecurity. And in a lot of cases, that market incentive for them isn't necessarily there today. Uh, and, and so that's where it becomes this issue of kind of who's going to drive a lot of this. And, and CompTIA has kind of stood for the IT industry. And Carol and I have talked about before how the, the lines are getting blurred on the IT industry. And so how exactly would we reach into a vendor of a physical product? Where, where exactly do they fall on an industry scale? And then where exactly do we need the government to step in and start to regulate some of these things um, and and provide some guidance and, and direction in this? And so it it really all comes, comes together and we need a lot of these things happening at once uh, because the technology is moving so fast and uh, there's a lot, a lot of pieces that go into it. Absolutely. I think, I think you know, we're, we, we've bandied about a number of ideas internally um, on kind of what we're going to push forward. And I mean, I think at the, at the very least, you know, there, there have been several best practices standards and uh, DHS, I don't know if they've officially released it yet or not. Uh, I do have a draft copy. Uh, DHS actually just earlier this week circulated a draft copy of uh, best practices for uh, I, IoT device manufacturers. Um, it's pretty high level stuff. It's nothing particularly controversial or new. Brings in uh, you know, best practices from other, you know, kind of from the NIST standards and you know other and you know the FTC's IoT report that kind of thing. But it's not enforceable. This is just kind of this is what companies who are making these devices should should keep in mind when they're they're designing these products. So that's great, but I that's I think there there needs to be more done. I think. Like you said, there there's a disconnect here in that you have a lot of companies who don't haven't typically made these devices in the past who have not really dealt with these standards in you know the tech industry in terms of secure data and and I think there there's a customer uh, consumer education uh, aspect of this as well. They say there's no there's there's not a whole lot of market incentive right now to design your products securely if the customers don't care. 
or if their customers aren't paying attention to that. Um, and I think that's these are the issues that we're we're working on, kind of trying to figure out how to educate industry to make these devices more secure, but also trying to figure out how to educate consumers to pay attention to these things. And, and, and yet, at the same time, trying to avoid overarching security regulations coming down from the federal government that could potentially stifle innovation in this space. So it's kind of a tough, it's a tough line to, to toe right now in terms of figuring out how to, how to get all of this done. But I think the ideal situation is to get industry to regulate itself. But to do that, there needs to be a lot of education and, and kind of a, a almost enforceable best practices standard kind of across the board. Uh, and, and how we do this, and so I think I think that this is going to be a big topic of conversation next week or next year, I should say. And and I, I could see some movement on this, even if it's not necessarily IoT security standards coming down through legislation. I think there's there's going to be significant changes in how this this pro this issue is looked at a year from now. So I wanted to just pivot a little bit and talk about budgeting and tech budgets from the federal government. Um, what sort of investments uh, do you anticipate are going to be made, some of the, 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 the earliest investments in either digital infrastructure or, um, or other policy changes or initiatives um, that are found within the tech budget today? And do you think that the candidates or the, the new president, I don't know what Donald Trump's budget in terms of what he expects to spend on technology, but from a Hillary perspective, however you can address that one, but what do you think the top spending items are going to be? Well, I think, I think we've certainly heard from the Hillary administration or the, the transition team that digital infrastructure is actually a, a major priority for them. We've, there have been rumors that there may already be, be language of legislation already, but there's, there's, it sounds like one of the first initiatives Hillary may push if she if she wins the presidency might be some sort of infrastructure bill, not just digital infrastructure, but the digital infrastructure would be a large part of this. Mm. Um, and one of the major issues would be getting broadband to the last. I think we're at ninety seven percent to the last three percent of Americans who don't have broadband access right now. Getting into rural areas, trying to improve broadband, you know, in places where it's really not up to snuff right now. I think this this is is going to be one of the big in initiatives for early next year, and we're very much tracking this. We don't we don't have any details on what this is going to look like yet, but I think this is this is going to be a big piece of things. I think in terms of you know the, the growth of IoT and I think smart cities that this is this is. This is essential for for getting these sorts of initiatives and in, in these industries growing because without you know without proper infrastructure, I think we there, there is a limit to what cities and companies can do and, and who they can get their their products and services to. So how how odd is it? I'm sorry, Seth. I'm stepping on you. Um, but I just I'm just curious, Matt, having worked now here um, and doing this for a number of years, is how odd or frustrating is it to straddle the worlds of a fast-moving technology industry and a very slow-moving federal government? I, I can imagine that's got to be like beating your head up against the wall sometimes. It, you know, it, it, it can be a little frustrating, I, I will absolutely admit. Um, it, I think it's, it's I think there are positives and negatives here. So I, I work a lot with the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, um, and the FCC is nice to work with because they, they pass regulations. Um, and, and they listen to industry input and they take that into consideration when they're making their regulations. So as far as they go, 
while we don't always get the results that we're looking for, at least they are moving forward and, and constantly changing their laws to kind of keep up with technology. So I will, I will give a shout out to the FCC for okay. actually making progress. That said, Congress uh, can be a little bit more difficult to deal with. As I've said many times, and, and you know, as I've learned in the last couple of years, it's a lot easier to stop a bill than it is to get a bill passed <laughs> these days. Um, give, giving lawmakers any reason to not pass something is uh, usually enough for them to take something off an agenda or take it off a markup or a hearing, which is kind of sad, but you know, that's, that's kind of the reality of Congress today. Otherwise, if you want to get something passed, you kind of like the, the bills that I've seen pass that are tech related have really come down to deadlines. You know, for example, with the safe harbor last year and, and the negotiation of a new uh, a new pact, a new data sharing agreement between the United States and Europe, there was a piece of legislation that the EU said was a necessity to passing a to, to passing any new agreement, and so. It took something like that to say, like, when our companies are going are not going to, have to operate in Europe if you don't pass this bill. It takes something like that uh, to to get tech legislation across the finish line a lot. And I think mm-hmm. we're actually going to see something next year. Uh, one of the issues I wanted to talk about um, this issue of surveillance reform, which is you know kind of con- the, the kind of the, con- the continued effects of the the Snowden revelations. Um, last year we saw a bill called the USA Freedom Act passed. Uh, which made some reforms to the Patriot Act. And it happened because a portion of the Patriot Act had expired. And based on the Snowden revelations, there were there was a lot of push to not allow this piece to be renewed without significant changes. We're going to see that again next year. There's a piece called uh, Section 702 of the FISA Amendments Act, which deals with how government collects data uh, on uh, communications between foreign entities and it's really about foreign entities, but it also, in the process, catches up any sort of communication between citizens of other countries and United States citizens. And there's been a, there was a lot of talk in the Snowden revelations about how much American data is getting caught up in this. And the reality is a lot. This expires next year, and uh, there's there's going to be a big push like there was last year with the USA Freedom Act to make changes to the FISA Amendments Act. And so this this is the kind of thing that we could actually happen because there's such a strong, there's a really strong kind of across the board push to not just allow this to be renewed uh, as is and to make significant changes. So while, while, while Congress can't, it isn't always the easiest to get things done with, uh, I think this is the kind of thing that we could see, you know, some significant changes to and uh, something that our industry has been pushing for a while. Yeah, Matt, the question I was going to ask, I think, is sort of related to that and related to your comments about digital infrastructure earlier. I was going to ask how much uh, infrastructure budgeting goes towards digitizing current infrastructure, which I think is also a very slow-moving thing, or it's tended to be a slow-moving thing because it's very expensive and there's a lot of infrastructure in place already and trying to digitize that would be uh, a long drawn out process. But at the same time, all the promise of you know smart cities and these different services that are going to allow us to get more data and hopefully improve the lives of citizens really relies on a lot of these digital pieces. So when you talk about digital infrastructure, 
is that part of it as well? And, and how are people viewing the way that we would start to turn that over and, and turn things into uh, smart infrastructure? So I, I think what we've seen so far is kind of a, a piecemeal approach. We've seen uh, a, a few programs here and there, and a lot of what's been done. I think honestly, the the, the reality is this will be the, continue to be the case is the kind of public-private partnerships that um, the federal government probably is not going to go out and lay a bunch of fiber themselves uh, anywhere. They're not going to build. They're not going to build their own federal broadband networks. Um, what they're going to do is they're going they're going to offer companies who are already operating in these spaces significant discounts to to build networks to places that don't already have them. Uh, that's been the approach that, that the government's been taking for throughout the Obama Obama administration, and I would guess any sort of infrastructure bill is probably going to contain probably something more along those lines because I think that's companies who know how to build broadband infrastructure are probably the are probably the folks who can best handle this versus, you know, just, just allowing the federal government to come in and build their own infrastructure, something they're not particularly uh, experienced with. So I think that's, that's probably what we're going to see in terms of, you know, actual money budgeted. I, I really have no idea. And uh, I don't have numbers in front of me. I know, you know there were, there was a big piece of this um, in some of Obama's, um, some of the work that he did, and I, I'm totally spacing on the name of the bill that passed. Uh, but some of the, the work that he did in trying to get, um, I'll come up with it eventually, <laughs> the Recovery Act, there we go, uh, had a big digital infrastructure piece to it. And I think this we're going to see a, kind of a similar approach um, with whatever Hillary's going forward on the infrastructure side. It's a lot going on. Well, I don't know, Seth, do you have any other questions? Or Matt, was there any other issue that you wanted to make sure that we get out front and center while we're here in the waiting game in the last few days before this election? Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the other big issue, um, it's, it's gone a little quiet lately, but the, the this issue of encryption and you know how government mm. deals with encryption, encrypted communications, um, I think it's, it's gone a little quiet. I think there's there was a push for a while to force companies to hand over unencrypted information from their products. I think that's kind of cooled a little bit. There's been uh, a, a little bit of a, I mean, as much as you can say a kumbaya here and trying to, okay, maybe let's take a step back and figure out what, what a solution is that's, that can work for everybody. But I don't think there's been much progress on figuring out what that looks like. I think in the next Congress, we may see that. I think there there's going to be probably some sort of push to get some sort of legislation done next year um, or, or the following year on government access to encryption, encrypted communications. And I okay. think it's not clear what that's going to look like yet, but I think there's, there's probably going to be something that moves forward on that front. Uh, and I would say Hillary, Hillary has, the, the, the candidates have taken very <laughs> different perspectives on this. Hillary has been kind of in the corner of the tech industry on this issue, um, kind of understanding that you know, there's there's a, a value to encryption and that handing the keys over to the government is not a workable solution. I think uh, Donald Trump feels uh, the exact opposite of that, has been very critical of uh, Apple in particular for their behavior. And I'm not sure what that means for uh, any sort of future legislation on this front, but I think we could see two very different directions depending on who wins the presidency there. Mm. 
Well, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> we could probably say that about a, a large uh, range of issues coming forward to <laughs> next Tuesday. So that is that is one that is one place where we know where Donald Trump stands in the te- <laughs> text. <laughs> that is like the one we definitely know uh, that he that he does not is not a fan of uh, encrypted communications. <laughs> Well, it's good stuff, Matt. I I agree with you that I I think a lot of these digital issues that we're talking about, uh, as many bad things as we feel like we've already seen, you know, being in the tech industry, uh, I think that there's probably going to be more to come. And it's going to take, uh, you know, a little bit worse than what we've already seen for some of these things to reach a tipping point and for us to kind of come together around what needs to be done around some of these things. Right. And I think the reality is, yeah, it, it, sometimes it has to get to a tipping point before, you know, the government will, will act on some of these things. But uh, that's just that's just kind of how it works around here. And we, we try to make the best of the laws we have uh, mm-hmm. while, uh, while we wait for um, the tipping point to arrive. Well, we'll definitely have a tipping point on Tuesday next week. Uh, Indeed. For sure. Indeed. Uh, and, we, and, we, and we didn't even talk about the Senate, which the Democrats could take the Senate back, too. We, we haven't even discussed that. Uh, but that, that's that's another you know interesting wrinkle to all of this. Well, it could be if Hillary wins and then you've got a Democratic Senate. So things may flow a little faster in terms of getting regulation passed and, and laws passed. Exactly. And there, there's been talk of uh, the quote-unquote nuclear option, which would uh, take away the, um, the filibuster rules and allow the Democrats or, or the Senate majority to to pass things on a pure majority instead of needing 60 votes. Mm, that's very uh, to pass anything. Um, so we, we can see that that's been the rumor I've seen a lot. I've seen around lately, uh, which which would put a lot of pressure on the House, honestly, because the House doesn't want to do anything. Um, but if the House just started getting a, a flow of legislation going their way, I think it would look a lot worse for them if they were just rejecting everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it will be interesting. I'm holding my breath till next week. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. Well, I want, thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. Um, got a lot of good information out there. And uh, you're going to be busy next year, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us this week then. Thanks again, Matt. And great. Thank uh, you guys for having me on. Yeah. You bet. We'll talk to you All again. All right, Seth. All right, Bye. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.